Formosa Files is sponsored by the Frank C. Chen Cultural Foundation. Frank Chen, Chen Qi Tuan, served as the mayor of Kaohsiung City from 1960 to 1968 and founded the Kaohsiung Medical College. Formosa Files. Welcome to the last Formosa Files episode of the year. Today we're going to talk about dating in Taiwan. And no, get your mind out of that romantic um, um, place and not that kind of dating. We're talking about months and years, you know, the calendar kind. But before that, we'd like to say a big thank you to all of our listeners this year. And of course, to our generous sponsors, the Frank C. Chen Foundation. Yes, a big thank you as we head into the year 112. The year 112. Hmm. What's this there, John? You've built yourself a little time machine and you're heading for, hmm, what would that be? Yeah, the early Han Dynasty? Actually, ancient Rome might be a better destination. The greatest extent of the Roman Empire was around that time under the able hand of Emperor Trajan. Yeah, a good time to be a Roman. You had Trajan and what, Hadrian after that? Well, anyway, I was joking because we both live here in Taiwan, and therefore we both know that the year 112 is a reference to a year naming system used for the Republic of China called the Mingguo year. So in Taiwan, we start counting from the founding of the Republic of China, which began on January 1st, 1912. The Republic of China replaced the Manchu-led Qing dynasty, which was China's last imperial dynasty. So after countless dynasties... After more than 2,000 years of imperial rule, there was a new beginning and a new calendar. The Western calendar replaced the traditional Chinese calendar, but there was an exception, an exception for the naming of years. The existing Chinese tradition was to use the emperor's era name. Uh, that's the name of the reign or period. And then the number, the year of the reign. Restarting with the year one with each new emperor. Or empress. Not worth mentioning, really. Uh, there's just been one official empress in China's long history. So uh, in 1912, the Chinese could have chosen a system of continuous years using a Chinese alternative to the birth of Jesus. A starting point of, let's say, uh, the semi-legendary Yellow Emperor from four and a half thousand years before, or Confucius, uh, the unification of China under the first emperor. But these had problems. So they decided to, like the imperial system, start counting from year one. But unlike the old system, this would not change with a new president as per a new emperor. 1912 was the first year, so 1913 was Mingguo Ernian. Mingguo means republic. It's an abbreviation of Zhonghua Mingguo, or the Republic of China. So this year, 2022 is Mingguo 111th year of the Republic. For calculating the Republic of China year, we subtract 1911, 1911. So for the year 2000, it's 2000 minus 1911, which gives 89. And 2023 minus 1911 gives the year 112. Mm-hmm. And as an interesting aside, the ROC era numbering system just happens, and this is by chance, to be the same numbering system used by North Korea. 
Well, the same as in their year starts with the birth of the founder of the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, Kim Il-sung, who was born in 1912. Incidentally, that was the same year the Republic of China was founded. So uh, we have that in, in common with North Korea. Yes, uh, Kim Il-sung, grandfather of the current uh, great dictator Kim Jong-un. Um, no direct connection between Kim Il-sung and Taiwan, but indirectly, yeah, it was Kim Il-sung who brought about the Korean War back in June uh, 1950. And with this changed the geopolitical situation in East Asia. Truman's administration backtracked on its abandonment of the nationalists on Taiwan and saved the country from Chinese invasion. Hmm. So I have lived in Taiwan since I was quite young. So, but John, you came here later and for you, it must have been somewhat of a surprise. Yes, uh, I'd seen the years on war calendars, but not really paid attention. Then one day I was preparing lunch. I'd open a can of meat, uh, some exotic sauce uh, with this meat, and it tasted a bit odd, but probably just a new flavor. I'd get used to it, but no, uh, the more I ate and yeah, my stomach it was feeling queasy. Was the meat bad? <laughs> so you checked the date on the can, of course. Yes, I checked the date, and it was 10 years past the use-by date, 10 years too right. old. No wonder it tasted strange. But of course, in real terms, it was good for a whole nother year. Yes, but I didn't know that then, and my stomach tightened. I'd been hospitalized with really bad food poisoning a few years earlier, and I was wondering if it was going to be a repeat of that. While waiting for the Great Purge to begin, I, I told someone, and they said, I don't think they'd sell 10-year-old food and then, ha, 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 yeah, this is the Mingguo year. Uh, you'll be fine. <laughs> it's funny, but it's an easy mistake to make because the year on the date is often just the two last digits of that year, right? So uh, I bet there's been plenty of these kind of scares, like you just said, with, with other expats. Yes, no doubt. You know, my story is funny in retrospect, uh, but the ROC year can make some problems, at least some confusion when filling in forms, arranging dates, and so on. Yeah. I think, you know, in today's globalized world, Taiwan needs to think of ways of getting closer. Now, I'm not disrespecting the Mingguo year, and lots of countries have their own years, uh, religions have their own years, and that's all fine and dandy. I'm not a problem with that. On official documents, I'd be fine with it. But I do feel that like young people here, for example, you say 2013 or 2009, and they're thinking in mingual. So it's hard for them to connect to that. And that's not so good because, you know, uh, you don't want to be an island metaphorically. And then you've got other things like, oh, when did Japan annex Okinawa, for example? Oh, that would be what? Mingguo minus 33. So I don't know. Problematic. I agree, but just to play devil's advocate, I'll push back. Your desire to colonize the calendar is Western imperialism, forcing European Christian culture onto a local tradition and destroying it. We embrace the diversity of food, languages, and music. Do we want the whole world eating McDonald's, drinking Coca-Cola, wearing jeans, and using the birth of baby Jesus as the basis of their calendar? Diversity is great, but we, we do want to be part of the wider world, right? And with all the interactions that take place internationally, yeah, we need standardization. When a pilot comes into land, the pilot and the air traffic controller are speaking English all over the world. When I schedule a Zoom or a Skype call or something with someone overseas, I'm using a standardized time set from Greenwich in London, right? 
Yes, agreed. Sensible standardization. Making a telephone call with different time zones, but within a framework so the hours are synchronized. Unlike the People's Republic of China, which has a single time. <laughs> yes, Beijing time across multiple time zones. So in Xinjiang in the far west of China, sunrise is at something like nine o'clock in the morning. But, you know, I've heard that people who live there don't necessarily follow. Yeah, I'm not、mm. sure how many people take it all that seriously, but it is pretty absurd. Absolutely. Standardization taken to absurdity. So, turning back to Taiwan, it's not just the Republic of China years which add to all this confusion because before the Chinese nationalists came here in 1945, the Japanese used dates associated with various emperors. And when we go back into the past, into the, the Qing dynasty,、uh, yeah, it's、uh, complicated. We mentioned it before, but as you say, it is complicated. So, probably worth explaining a bit better. Let's take the Zhu Yigui Rebellion,、uh, which we covered in season one. Ah, that was the story of the, the self proclaimed king of Taiwan, the Duck King. On the Western calendar, the rebellion was in 1721, but for the Chinese, it's the 60th year of the Kangxi Emperor. Right, and China ceded Taiwan to Japan in 1895. Uh, scratch that. In the traditional way, it would be in the 23rd, 24th year. I can't remember. The 20 somethingest year of the Guangxi Emperor. Hard to remember,、uh, which is the point, right? We're making、uh, the Kangxi Emperor and the Qianlong Emperor,、uh, at least they had very long reigns.、Uh, makes it a little easier. Yeah, but not that much easier. The Kangxi Emperor's reign was from 1661 to 1722. A reign of 61 years, making him the longest reigning emperor. His grandson, the Qianlong Emperor,、uh, would have taken that record, but in an act of filial piety, stepped down. He was de facto ruler until his death, but、uh, yeah, doesn't go on the record books as number one. Perhaps、uh, listeners may have noticed that often you say the emperor names in two different ways, so, such as The Qianlong Emperor and Emperor Qianlong, and then for Kangxi, either the Kangxi Emperor or Emperor Kangxi. When you say the Qianlong Emperor, that's because it's the name of the reign, not the man, right? Yes. Qianlong or lasting eminence,、uh, eminence, greatness, fame. Yeah, that was the era name he adopted on ascending the throne. This title was then used by his subjects to date each year of his reign. So, 1736, the year he uh, ascended, uh, was the first year of Qianlong.、Uh, for Kangxi,、uh, slightly different. That name was given to his reign after his death. So, rather than aspirational, it describes his reign. And Kangxi means lasting peace. Lasting peace.、Um, okay, there was plenty of fighting during his reign. There was putting down the resistance from the Ming loyalists. Including conquering Taiwan and expanding the Qing Empire. But by the end of Kangxi's reign, there was relative peace, I guess. So I don't know. They make a desert and call it peace. Ah, that famous line from、uh, about the Romans, right? They make a desert and call it peace. Yeah, from the Roman Tacitus uh, historian. Uh, it's from around uh, that year, uh, 112, actually. The lasting peace that the Kangxi emperor brought to this reign. Was a brutal coastal depopulation strategy forcing the population of southern China inland. 
and this was to weaken Koxinga's forces in Fujian and on Taiwan, which they finally took in 1683, which works out to something like uh, the 42nd year of Kangxi's reign. Mm, sounds right. Uh, and by the way, my mentions of the Romans is not entirely off topic, is it? If we're talking about Western calendars, then uh, that goes back to Rome. Yes, to the Vatican in Rome. The Western calendar used today is actually called the Gregorian calendar after a Pope Gregory. I checked before the recording of this, and it's Pope Gregory the Thirteenth back in 1582. The 13th Pope Gregory. Uh, there were 12 popes called Gregory before that. Jeez. Uh, that Gregorian calendar was just a minor change to the Julian calendar introduced in 46 BC, proposed and introduced by Julius Caesar. Yes, Julius Caesar. He got the month of July in that calendar named after his august self. Yep. Eric, uh, you and I uh, obviously find all these historical facts and stories interesting. We love history. It's interesting. It's useful uh, in understanding who we are, where we come from. But a lot of people in Taiwan, kids especially, they don't share our enthusiasm. Mm, this is very true. Most of the students I've ever talked to, they say history is boring and hard. Um, even my own daughter hasn't quite gotten the, the history bug yet. She sees it as just a, a bunch of troublesome dates. And perhaps the multiple dating systems for years don't help, you know? There's the Western mm. years, the rain years, and then the Mingguo ROC, you know, years. This could be one of the reasons history as a school subject is, you know, so disliked by so many here in Taiwan. Yes. Uh, for a people who worship ancestors, there's a lack of knowledge. But putting aside the textbooks and historical years and turning to something more personal, dating in Taiwan can be tricky when it comes to birthdays. Oh, indeed. Taiwanese have two birthdays, one on the Western calendar, which is the one observed, but there's also a birthday on the Chinese calendar. Now, for that first birthday, obviously they're on the same day, but after that, because the two calendars are not in sync, they will fall on different days, so you get two birthdays. Or three. Three. Yeah, this is ringing a bell. Remind me, what's the third one? Well, this applies more to the old times and uh, in the countryside where I am, but a child might be born earlier than what the child is officially registered as. Ah, so the child might be born like a week before the date on their ID card. Exactly. And while that third birthday won't be celebrated, it's the date which uh, is used for fortune tellers and such for choosing names and getting answers to questions about a marriage partner, changing jobs and such. Mm-hmm. So the date of birth is very important for that, and so are the times of birth. Taiwanese sometimes are quite surprised when they ask a foreigner, what time were you born? And they get this bemused, uh, <laughs> I don't know, because for a huge percentage of the population here, that's kind of like a basic piece of personal information. Yep, I've needed to make the call back home. Hey, mum, uh, <laughs> what time was I born? And there's, uh, turning to a bit uh, more of an unhappy, there's a, there's a sinister side to placing so much importance on time and date of birth. You mean uh, cesarean sections, C-sections? Yeah. So, okay, we, we should explain. A cesarean section, also called a C-section or a cesarean delivery, is the surgical procedure where the baby is delivered through a cut in the mother's abdomen. 
supposedly performed because a natural birth would be dangerous for the baby or for the mother, Taiwan has a very high rate of C-section births, one of the highest rates in the world, a third of all births in the 90s and into this century, it's lower now, but a third of all births were C-sections. And part of the reason for that high rate was having births on lucky days. And, of course, related to birthdays is the matter of age, how old somebody is. Traditionally, you're one when born, and then another year as you go past Chinese New Year. So you could be two months old by Western reckoning, and two years old by the local way. Someone born in November, right? Uh, yeah. They're, in February, they're two. two. years old. <laughs> yeah, so, um, John, do you know anything about Aboriginal calendars or Indigenous calendars? No, afraid not. I assume they used the moon, and after coming into contact with Han settlers, trading with them, they adopted elements from, from the Han Chinese, eh, maybe from the Dutch, but no, I don't know anything about it. Well, other than uh, something I read about the Bunan people, a group of indigenous people in the central southern mountains area, they had a moon calendar, uh, and they carved it into a wooden board. The board had symbols with information related to annual agricultural and religious ceremonies. Hmm, so that's a simple kind of writing. Interesting. And talking about moon calendars, as we've said before, the Chinese calendar is not technically a lunar calendar, which is why, John, you, uh, you don't have a problem with not saying uh, lunar new year. You're fine with Chinese new year. Because the Chinese calendar is a lunisolar calendar, meaning it's regulated by both the moon and the sun. Yes, it's largely lunar, but not completely. So hmm. there are 12 months in the Chinese calendar, and they alternate between 29 and 30 days each, which adds up to 354 days, which is about 11 days short of a solar year. And this difference needs to be made up by a leap month. With the Gregorian calendar, we got a leap day, right? February 29th. They add that every four years. But with the Chinese calendar, a whole leap month is added approximately every three years. Right. So uh, a month is repeated. And 2023 is such a leap year. So there will be two Februarys, well, two second months uh, to be more accurate. By the way, this coming Chinese New Year falls on January 22nd, and we're passing from the year of the tiger to the year of the rabbit. Right. So many people know about the Chinese zodiac, the 12 animals, but not as well known is that it isn't just a cycle of 12 years, but of 60 years. That's because there's also a cycle of five phases or elements. You've got wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. Each animal has all five kinds of years a wood rabbit year, a fire rabbit year, and all that. So next year is a water rabbit year. I'm an earth monkey. What are you? I hit the jackpot. I'm not only a dragon, but I'm a fire dragon. Huh. Seems to me that these so-called lucky years are, in fact, unlucky. More births means more competition. Busier classrooms, more competition to get into good schools, and hitting the job market, more job candidates. That's an interesting take that I don't think uh, many people have thought of before. Yeah, makes sense. Anyway, rabbit years may not be as lucky or popular as dragon years, but rabbits are symbols of fertility, and hopefully that will play out uh, this year and we'll get a bountiful harvest of babies because uh, Taiwan actually needs more children. Eric, you know the rabbit in the moon story? Yeah, 
It's related to the story behind the Mid-Autumn Festival, also called the Moon Festival, the legend of Chang'er. She drank two elixirs of immortality and ended up on the moon. If you want the full story, and it's an interesting one, listeners can check out our Happy Holidays episode. That's season two, episode 28. Happy in quotation marks. Mm -hmm. Uh, When you gaze up at the moon, the dark shading on its surface supposedly looks like a rabbit pounding a medicinal elixir in a stone mortar. He's preparing that elixir of eternal life, but I I can't see it. (laughs) John, you need more faith. Hmm. No, I confess, I have not seen it myself either. In the West, we say the old man and the moon. I don't see that either. Something that both West and East can agree on is that rabbits are symbols of fertility, though Chinese don't have that uh, idiom, breed like rabbits. And rather counterintuitively, the rabbit is also associated with being gay, specifically being a man who is gay. There's a deity called the Tuershan, or Tushan, the, the rabbit god. The rabbit god. A rabbit doesn't seem like a sufficiently dignified animal to be worshipped. Okay, but worshipped it was in centuries past, and it's a tradition that's been brought to life in Taipei, where a shrine was established. John, are you familiar with the story behind the rabbit god? No, I've heard the name rabbit god, and I know that back in the Qing dynasty, there was a slang expression for uh, homosexuals uh, that were called rabbits. But no, the story... uh, It's not one of your happy holiday tales with a dark ending, is it? (laughs) No promises. You judge, okay? So, in the 18th century in Fujian, a lowly government official called Hu Tianbao fell in love with a handsome young imperial inspector of Fujian province, but because of the inspector's higher status, Hu did not dare express his forbidden desires. And Hu was caught peeping at the inspector through a bathroom wall, and he confessed his attraction. And of course, they got married and lived happily. No, the inspector then had his admirer beaten to death. Beaten to death. Jeez, Eric, we're supposed to be giving people seasonal cheer, family-friendly seasonal goodness, not stories like... But wait, the story gets better, okay? Soon after his death, who, the guy who was just beaten to death for peeping, right, appeared to Mm. a man from his hometown in a dream, announcing that the king of the underworld had appointed him the rabbit god and his duties would be to serve the needs of men who enjoy close male companionship, you know, and in the dream, Mm. who asks the man to build a shrine to him. So the story is likely mostly fiction, but this cult of Hu Tianbao in Fujian, or the rabbit god, was a real thing in Fujian in the 18th century. And seeing as settlers to Taiwan were from Fujian, most of them, and women were prohibited from coming here, and it was very much uh, a man's world, I wouldn't put it uh, too far past the, the probability. I, I would guess he was probably worshipped in Taiwan at that time as well. Mm, interesting story and speculation. A bit <laughs> dark. Uh, certainly not gay in the old happy sense of that word. No. Uh, but as I've said before, and I'll say it again, the freedom of religion in Taiwan is unequaled. You know, freedom for all whether worshippers of the rabbit god, Catholics, Muslims, Mormons, followers of Falun Gong, atheists, whether it's your favorite religion or your least favorite, all free and unmolested, no discrimination, in complete contrast to across the Taiwan Strait. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today. A happy new year to all of our Formosa files, especially to those who had a tough 2022, and we hope next year's better. Onward and upward. We'll see you next week in the year 112. <laughs>